Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We are back here on the Healthcare Experience Matters podcast, and we have two guests joining us today. I want to have them both just start it out here by introducing themselves and telling us a little bit about their professional background and maybe even throwing in something that you might not find on their resume. I'll start with you, Katie. Go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Katie Owens. I'm both the president of Healthcare Experience Foundation and a senior vice president with PRC overseeing the coaching and improvement division. Today's topic around traveler nurses and and supporting a a climate of excellence in, in patient care is a topic so deeply important to myself and our team and to, I know, our listeners. And I'm really thrilled that we have Dr. Gordon Grow. Um, who is the um, chair of surgical services and an orthopedic surgeon at Mission Hospital. Um, A little bit about um, my background when it comes to agency and traveler nurses um, is that as we've watched the pandemic unfold, we have seen obviously a tectonic shift in um, how we care for patients and how we stabilize our staffing teams And it's become a a huge opportunity for us as we team in a new normal, both in interpersonal interactions and patient care, um, highly reliable behaviors and and professional um, interactions between staff and physicians. And um, as I've gotten to know, Dr. Grow over the last year have really developed such a deep respect, Dr. Grow, for your leadership and in particular, um, your positioning and wisdom around ways that we can innovate our relationships with nurses who are travelers. And so um, let me get out of the way for your introduction, Dr. Grill. Well, Katie, first, thanks for having me here. And it's been really one of the blessings in my life that uh, Mission Health HCA brought your organization on board to lead some organizational change for us. It's been really a, a delight for me. I've learned a lot through the experience. So as you said, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I, I, I work as the chief of surgical services here. I went back a couple of years ago and got my MBA from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and was a dean scholar there. I had a lot of interest in sort of the business behind healthcare even before that, but that really opened some opportunities for me in terms of moving forward. And it's piqued my interest about relationships, how they uh, interact with moving processes forward. And so I think that a lot of the issues that we talk about on a regular basis do have their origins about maximizing how people interact in, in an organization. So something that might not be on my resume, uh, my best friend actually is my brother, Mark, who happens to be a cardiac surgeon here at Mission Hospital. Um, we interact so well together. We run a bunch of businesses together. We actually have a startup that we run together that we, we term our, our relationship grow squared because uh, when we get together, it's no longer just additive. It's really a multiplier effect. We, we know each other that well. So uh, it's one of the blessings. He's a really great surgeon. Um, so my uh, my local sort of level is really incredibly good because of my relationship with him. And, and both of us kind of enjoyed this uh, uh, pedestal on national stage. So it's a pretty cool thing. I know we've had the opportunity to you know really devote a lot of time over the last 12 months to advancing culture and doing all of this, despite the increasing pace of change in the pandemic. Um, I know when we met a few weeks ago, we, we talked about 
um, supporting the nursing workforce. And I know that we've discussed that 35% of nurses have left the profession during the pandemic. Um, as a physician leader, as a practicing physician, as somebody committed to cultural excellence, why is this concerning to you? This hits on so many points, Katie. It's really incredible when you go think about it. Number one, I think it's really underreported. I don't think that most people understand that basically a third of the nurses left during the pandemic. I mean, if you let a third of the people that make U.S. automobiles left making cars, it would be on the nightly news every night. People would be scrambling, trying to go figure out how they're going to go get a car, how they're going to go get parts. This happens in the healthcare industry. It has the same ramifications and people just sort of yawn about it or don't report it at all. So initially I looked at this really from a, from a business operations sort of standpoint. It's really kind of simple when you go look at it, right? It's like watch one of those old 1950s I Love Lucy shows, you know, where she's at the chocolate factory and there's they keep having all these chocolates coming off and she's shoving them every place and, and they're still trying to go. That's kind of what healthcare is right now, right? It's just trying to go make things happen. So th that's one piece of it, it's just the, the operational piece of it. The second piece I think that, that's really interesting is that if you go say that you have a deficit of 35% of nurses, well, how long is it going to go take for that to go get made up? Well, if you go even talk to your financial advisor and you lost 35% of your money or something like that, you're not making that up in a year. And you got to remember that when we're training nurses and, and training technicians, that there's some people who leave the process naturally through any kind of other sort of mechanisms. They retire, they change jobs, they do something like that. So you got to go replace 35% along with the regular sort of people who leave the profession. Most of the estimates for that say that that's going to take us into the next decade to go get done. So this is what I would go call you the new, new normal. It's the new normal. And I think that, Katie, that what's going to go separate really great healthcare organizations from ones who just sort of average perform is how they're going to go deal with this issue over the next decade. Because this touches on everything about throughput. So if you go down to anybody's emergency room these days, you'll go find people stacked in the halls. They can't find a bed. Why do they have that? well, I don't have enough emergency room nurses. Well, the next piece is, guess what? I don't have enough hospital beds. And then upstairs, I can't get the patients out of the hospital because guess what? I don't have any place to go with them. So, you know, I can't get them into a skilled facility. I don't have any healthcare to go get them to. So this just rolls through the entire system. So organizations that think outside the box, that are better engaged on this issue, I think will go perform better and I think that their results, of both in terms of patient care, uh, their overall experience will just supersede everyone else's in the same segment. And making sure that there's continuity of care and that you have, you know, as a, as a care team, team members that you feel are um, trained and capable while you're managing these complexities of throughput and volume. Yeah, I think when you and I talked about this, the thing that struck me, and, and I've had a couple other instances I want to go chat with you about this morning. Um, so we had this slide that just sort of came up in one of these meetings that just sort of said, well, this traveling nurse had this issue that was going on. And I thought, this is really strange. If you, if you X out the word traveler and you put, you know, Asian or you put, you know, South American or you put Catholic or you people would be just be up in arms about this, right? But you go put traveler in there and everybody in the room is kind of yawns and kind of moves forward. I'm like, well, this is the new normal. And the new normal is, is that 
this is like a two segment society where you have people who have expectations that they're going to go fail and somehow we, we don't really go, go deal with them. A couple weeks after that, Katie, I was in the operating room. I was actually in the cardiovascular room, actually doing a case with, with, with one of my brother's partners and just sitting there listening. Cause these are people I usually don't scrub with or anything like that. And they say, well, you know, last Friday we had a traveler just quit at three o'clock. And I just thought, this is just, it's not just on somebody's slide. It's how everyone talks about it, right? Uh, it's its the new normal about how things work. And it's not a good normal, right? It, it, it can't make organizations work. It can't make relationships among nurses, among physicians work long term. Um, and so I think it's, it's deeply flawed and it needs to be addressed. This language is creeping into our vocabulary, is really causing a negative tone in our interpersonal interactions and in what we're seeing day to day. Yeah, I think it's 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 a bias, right? If if I'm talking to you and and I say, well, you're a traveler, well, what what kind of connotations are about that? They aren't that you're exceptional, right? Um, they aren't the the expectation is that you're uh, somehow some sort of low level mercenary who'll only be here for some amount of time who probably will quit on a dime, who doesn't really understand our culture, who really isn't that good about doing things. And therefore, what have I done? I've set you up for failure. And so I, I'm not going to retain you. I mean, why What? Why would you go stay someplace? I treat you like you're some sort of second-class citizen. You're not going to go stay. So guess what? You get this churn that keeps going through the system. You know, I keep having to go recruit people because other people are leaving. Well, when the nurses leave and P.S., my niece actually is a traveling nurse. And there's all these websites out there that they all talk about where they go work at, how it was, how they like it, if people stayed. It's a very informed community out there of, the, of these employees in the nursing profession. And so if you think that well, how you're treating them is somehow in isolation, you're crazy. They all talk about it. They all know where they need to go. And your rates for how you go pay people reflect that. There are places in the United States where these traveling nurses go say, you know, they, they treat us terrible there. And P.S., so what do they go do? They charge them an arm and a leg and they stay there their minimum length and then they're gone, right? Um, but other places have had more success, right? They haven't had to go pay as much money. They have better retention of their nurses um, and they move forward with that. How are they doing that? I think that if you can go accomplish that as an organization, you have such a strategic advantage moving forward. I think it will be difficult for other people to go replicate. So with labor models predicting shortages in the healthcare field into the next decade, why do you feel retaining all nurses, including traveler nurses, should be a top priority? I think it's, it's part and parcel of, of any kind of workforce, right? So it doesn't really matter whether you're running a healthcare industry or you're running a uh, you know auto parts supply industry. Um, if, you, if you don't have enough people on the ground to go service the patients, service the customers, 80% of the U.S. economy is a service industry, right? Um, 10% manufacturing, 10% agriculture. I'm in a service organization. I mean, you have to go understand that as, as the basis of what we get done in healthcare. We're providing a service. So if you don't have enough people to go provide that service, you can't get it done or you can't get it done in a very way that's very effective. When you keep having all this sort of churn that goes on, if you don't go retain the people that you have, um, including the travelers, it really stretches the HR component of your organization in ways that you really can't quite imagine. Um, um, and it creates all this sort of 
internal dichotomies that are hard to go move forward from. So you have your existing workforce that may be getting paid less than your travelers, the travelers who, if they decide to come on board, get paid a little bit less than what they were as a traveler. So managing and threading the needle on all that is going to be what separates great leaders from average leaders moving forward. Dr. Grow, what I'm, what I'm also hearing, and Casey, I know you've interviewed a number of healthcare leaders around um, supporting nursing and nursing practice excellence. Dr. Grow, let's flip this a little bit and create more of a positive focus um, to encourage nurses, which I know you're really passionate about. What are the attributes of the best nurses that you've worked with? How can we start to think about replicating those characteristics? Yeah, I think the, the best people, no matter where they're at, are really about abilities and not about skills. And I think that that's where people get confused about things. So I would much rather go interact with somebody who has wonderful abilities, meaning that they're, they're bright, they're inquisitive, they're engaged, um, they're, they want to go make things work better, rather than that they know where the, in the supply cabinet down the hall where the four by four bandages are at, right? That's a skill. I can teach anybody how to go do those sorts of things. So the best nurses are the people who are really bright, engaged. And what do you need to go do? You need to go talk to those people and go say, I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you for making my day work better. And I'd like to go introduce myself. So instead of you know making the actions transactional, right? Where you just go say, well, you're a traveler, so you'll only be here for X amount of time. Um, so, you know, I'm not even going to bother to learn your name, you know, um, I'm going to figure that you're not going to go be here. I'm going to expect that you won't know where the instruments are at. I'm going to expect that it's going to take longer for my case. So I'm going to sort of be, you know, basically disgruntled the entire time I interact with you to, Hey, you know what? It really is likely that if you're traveling, that you're probably pretty bright, um, that you're able to go thread a bunch of needles, you're able to go find some place to go live in a different state, you're actually able to go get licenses that work a whole bunch of different places, you can, you must have a very good uh, sort of malpractice sort of, of uh, contract issues. Um, so the likelihood is, is that the person I'm dealing with is pretty, probably pretty bright. So why not go approach it from that standpoint that you're likely to go be surprised and find somebody who's really cool, really bright, can help through your day, rather than saying, well, you know what, they probably won't be here very long. So let's go move forward with it on the, on the positive aspect rather than being negative about things. Well, those emotions are certainly contagious and they, they spread throughout not only the unit, the department, the OR, but also the entire culture. What do you also see as additional opportunities to improve collaboration between physicians and nurses who travel? Well, I think that organizations need to need to understand that travelers have a different set of needs um, than, than basically the regular staff. And if they're interested in, in turning those travelers into folks who want to go stay, then you have to be very diligent about moving forward in a registered pathway to go make that go happen. It won't happen by accident. So you have to go search those people out. You have to go understand what's going on. How are you doing? How's the organization treating you? How's your day today? Um, you have to have people who go interact with them via email, via text, and go say, how are things working on the unit that you're working on? How's the patient care working? Um, what can we go do to help things? What kind of, what kind of uh, insights do you bring to our organization? You've worked a whole bunch of different places. Has this worked better anyplace else? 
So you go turn them into valued employees, not just travelers. These are people who have a lot of experience and they probably have ideas that maybe work better than what you're doing things. Just because you've always done things one way doesn't necessarily mean it's basically the best way. And people who are really bright are open to suggestions, open to go think about things in different ways. So I think that there are a really goldmine of resources, intellect that really has been underwhelmed. So well said. And, you know, we see this time and time again. What you're describing is that we're demonstrating. I see you. Your your feedback is important to me. I trust your expertise. And I want to know what blind spots that we may have that we can learn from with your fresh eyes. Yeah, I think that's really great um, to go recognize that these folks have a, a wealth of experience or outside your institution. And a lot of them have worked in maybe, you know, for the most part, probably bigger institutions than where you've been at, right? So they may have seen sort of roadblocks that other institutions have solved, how they've gotten around them. Um, so engaging them or not engaging is really folly, right? It's like taking like half the ammunition you've got and just saying, ah, you know, I don't think I really want to go use that. You know, let's put it in the back room, right? So I mean, these are really bright people that you can engage and go make your healthcare work a lot better if you choose to do that. But you have to intentionally choose to go do that, right? It just doesn't happen organically. Yeah. And Dr. Grow, as a practicing surgeon, I know you've experienced new nurses in the OR over time. Does it seem traveler nurses get the same welcome or orientation as a new nurse? So that's a really interesting question, okay, because it cuts both ways. So before the, the pandemic, when we didn't have a nursing shortage that went on, the expectation was the following was that, you know, we pay people $1 an hour to go do this job. You're a traveling person who's going to come do this job. We're going to pay you $2 an hour. The expectation is that we're paying extra money. So you should know how to do everything when you step basically in the place, right? That was the expectation. Some of that still moves forward at this stage uh, because people still go say, well, we're paying people extra money. So therefore, they ought to walk into this position and know everything that's going on. I think it's still an underlying expectation of a lot of institutions around there. I think, again, the best uh, institutions go out there and go say, well, we may be paying more money to go have somebody fill this role. However, they still need some amount of training about how our organization works. They need to understand how the computer system works. They need to understand how the patient flow works. They need some sort of education and training to go bring up to speed. And I think, again, that in some cases, even within our organization, there is some amount of uh, they're, they're not as compliant about bringing new new hires like this on board. They have a sense of frustration, um, perhaps, if, if they can't go meet all the marks immediately out of the box. And then they become as, well, you know, that traveler, you know, they didn't, you know, they so it becomes this sort of self-reinforcing terrible loop that moves forward, right? You got these people who are travelers. Well, then they didn't do something you wanted. God knows every day there's millions of things I don't get done that somebody else wanted to go get done, but I don't get labeled as a traveler. And so sometimes it's really a problem. I get labeled as he's a doctor. He didn't get done what he's supposed to get done. We'll give him another chance, right? I mean, so you would expect to extend that same courtesy to anybody else that that works for you. I mean, you, you I mean, someplace in the organization, somebody said yes, to this person, right? They thought that they were good enough to go hire. 
So you ought to treat them like you thought you were good enough to go hire them. Dr. Grow, are there ideas or practices that physicians and surgeons, maybe even other nurses, what, what would you recommend that they could do to impact the traveler experience and even retention? I think a lot of it's really soft um, in terms of, you know, organizational sorts of attitudes about things. I think that there can be some hard points that go move forward, uh, but that requires organizations to invest some time, effort, and energy in it. So they need to go, you know, maybe go engage travelers on a different sort of level um, that may be just from a divisional level. Um, in our uh, surgical services area, um, our VP for surgery is very engaged in trying to go reach out to nurses who are traveling. Uh, we know that we kind of keep a scoreboard of uh, how many people are traveling, how many people we've uh, be- become uh, regular nurses out of the, that traveling pool. Uh, and we, we think that that's a good indicator of, of how well we're doing uh, in terms of our, our travelers that are here, how our experience is, uh, by how many people want to go go back. I think it's also important though. you have to go understand there are some economics behind traveling nurses that you can't change. And some are going to go leave just because of that. So there are some taxation issues that force nurses and travelers to go leave your institution and come out of it. So not every person who leaves and is a traveler uh, who doesn't stay at the organization is necessarily a failure of your organization. Sometimes it's a, it's a failure of other outside economic interests. Now, I just want to move on here to any other final thoughts that either of our guests has um, when you talk about anything that we might have missed that might be beneficial to add to today's discussion. I think this is generally going to be a challenging issue. And, and I think moving forward that, that the more time, effort, and energy organizations put into this sort of portion of their labor force, um, the more it will separate how they go do. Um, we already see at, at the federal level um, that uh, most hospital systems have uh, asked Medicare to go change um, some of their payment plans that go on in terms of length of stay and things like that, because basically we have such a difficult time about moving patients through the system, right? So it's become a national level sort of problem that this labor force issue, which is being part-time served by travelers is, is moving forward through. So I think it will continue to ripple through the healthcare system. Um, there aren't any easy answers, um, but I think that uh, not engaging on it, being an ostrich in this, guarantees your organization to underperform everyone else. Casey, I would only add that to reinforce a few points that I heard Dr. Grow make, which is acknowledge that um, when we label a nurse as a traveler, it introduces more and more bias. And you know, a huge part of overcoming that bias is, is the self-awareness and the self-management components that we choose our response and we choose um, the emotions that we want to put into the conversation. We can begin by choosing positive intent, encouraging that professional um, to be a part of our care teams and, and doing everything in our power to welcome them retain them and keep everybody focused on um, excellent patient care. It's been another great discussion today on healthcare experience matters. We've been joined by Dr. Gordon Grow and Katie Owens talking traveler nurses and the patient experience. I want to thank both our guests today for their time. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Dr. Grow. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. With today's episode teaming with PRC, 
To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.